0: Welcome to The Hive Life, where we pull back the curtain on Spirical Media, a company based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a team of former journalists that create beautiful, impactful stories that connect with your audience.
1: Welcome inside the Spherical Media podcast studio in the south end of Charlotte for another episode of The Hive Life. I'm Jared Latch alongside Tim as We welcome another guest in Blair Primus, and Blair is the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Talent Development at Ortho Carolina, Blair, thanks so much for making time for us.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. Looking forward to it.
1: I wanna start things off with your background. You're a Duke graduate. You're approaching 12 years at Ortho Carolina. What did the roadmap look like when you got started in the marketing field? Just give us some, some background about yourself.
2: Yeah, great great question. I've kinda, I'd like to tell folks I kinda had my, um, my MBA through, uh, through experience. Um, so I, when I left school, I went to work in New York City for McKen Erickson. Um, I think they're still called mechanic maybe they're called McCann Universal now I'm not sure but um and I did uh, I was lucky to work on really big brands like big brands coca-cola General Motors um, Unilever and two things really happened there one is I learned what I liked about marketing advertising and I think I also as importantly learned what I didn't like about it. What kind of clients you didn't want to work on and so I left. uh, Was there two and a half years, just about just under three years, actually, and was lucky enough to come work for a really small firm in was in Raleigh at the time, now in Durham, McKinney, and I worked on Audi. They had like, gosh, you'd probably never do this nowadays, but they had like three (laughs) clients, right, like sixty-person agency, which nowadays you probably never do because it's really scary because when you lose one, like you pretty much fold. But anyway. We had full Audi North America, Canada, Mexico, and the United States, all out of this small little office in Raleigh. It was incredible. So I got a lot of experience working in automotive. Uh, weird twist of fate left there through another connection, and I got a chance to go work for McDonald's on the client side. They had, a, they had a corporate office in Raleigh, and I did that for just under seven years. Took two years away from that to work in the operations side of McDonald's too. So I was actually a McDonald's store manager. I got moved to Charlotte. Was married at the time. Uh, moved to Charlotte, and I was actually the store manager of the McDonald's in Pineville, right on there, like on Pineville Matthews Road and Park Road, um, for like seven months. It was hands down, still to this day, the hardest job I've ever ever yeah. had. Yeah, sixty-five folks, shift work, twenty-four hour store. It was tough. Uh, wound up staying home. I left that uh, because you know got a kind of kind of pat on the back. Great job. Uh, we're moving you to Detroit. Decided not mm-hmm. to do that. Stayed home uh, with my kids. I had three kids. Stayed up with my kids for about 10 months. Then a buddy of mine said, you know, hey, listen, we're hiring, um, you know, marketing guys to help with mergers and acquisitions at Bank of America. Uh, that was in 2008. Not a great time to join not, the not bank. Timing was not great uh, In at 2009, that point. my entire department was eliminated, uh, of which I was one of them. And then just amazingly, through a crazy twist of fate, in 2009, July, I uh, luckily, I was out of work uh, February had an interview in May for North Carolina. It started there in July. Been there ever since. So wow. healthcare, finance, fast food, automotive, to business to business. I think I've kind of touched almost all of it. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: I actually, I never knew the McDonald's piece of that story. So yeah. that's, that's very cool. Um, yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you about when we started Spiracle, I know... I knew you obviously through my TV time and then through marketing and stuff like that. And you know, the stories I always heard about how you were running your marketing department was different than how every other marketing department was run. What had you experienced or what did you know and why did you do it the way you did it and sort of zigged when everyone else zagged?
2: Yeah. Wow. Great question, Tim. And so, so I think a couple of things. One is, um, and I'll never forget this in my interview for, um, for ortho Carolina, um, one of the things that at the time Dan Murray, was CEO, asked me, he said, You know, what, why would I take somebody who said zero healthcare? So I was the first marketing role that Ortho Carolina had in, inside. They had LGA, was their agency for a couple of years. Sure. And then uh, they moved to a, having an in house team. So it was their first real full time, kind of full time marketing hire. And he said to me, Why would I take somebody with really no healthcare experience? Because um, this is, you're going to be starting the department. You know, what do you know about healthcare little and orthopedics? And I said, Here's what I do know. Our setup still today is essentially, bear with me here, a franchise model where we have now 45 office locations all across the region. And while they're one brand and it's all managed out of one office, our office up on Park Road, at the end of the day, it's really 45 individual locations that have to behave as one. And I said, so if you come from that perspective, my time at McDonald's, I'm your best candidate for this job because it's exactly what it was like. So my belief was, and McDonald's success for the you know many decades that they've been around has been to be a community fixture in whatever community those offices are in, and I repeat that same slogan today for Ortho. We give back to the to the communities that we do business in, and that's what our zag was when everybody was zigging, or vice versa, yeah, zigging right. Was zagging because we spent a lot of time building local, relatively small local partnerships that now a decade later. Folks tell me all the time, I feel like I see you guys everywhere. And what <laughs> right. that is is just a million little paper cuts that turn into something much more serious than coming at it with a big, giant saw blade. And I think we've uh, continued to uh, continue to try to do that as best we can. No, yeah, I, yeah. I, I really appreciate the question. No, yeah. that's
1: cool. I know one of the things that we can play off, that's perfect uh, segue to this question, is the value of hyper-local marketing, which mm. you do, mm. and then looking at the pandemic right now, how has that changed the landscape? What have you had to rethink? How will things look going yeah. forward?
2: Yeah, yeah, All, another another very timely, great question. Um, we actually, um, I'm gonna, I hate to use this word because everybody does, we also pivoted uh, in, uh, in uh, 2020. Um, we took a look at how consumers were dealing with their lives throughout the pandemic and what was going on and and what I saw from a consumer trend standpoint is, is that things that are difficult, I mean nobody wants things to be difficult, but things that are difficult are even like quadruple more difficult during the pandemic. And brands or groups that were quote unquote winning made themselves easier to use as a brand. And so I looked at my team, we like, you know, did a virtual retreat. Uh, and, which was essentially just from my, set it from my kitchen. It was from my dining room. Um, change of scenery. Change of move. scenery, exactly, my garage for 30 minutes. Um, and we, um, we pivoted to focusing on making our brand easier to use. So we went away from what we had typically done, like a lot of agencies do, a right? persona-based targeted marketing, and we went to service-based ease of use. And so my you know, online scheduling, same-day urgent care, convenient locations, telemedicine. How can we be easier for you as a consumer to use our brand just like we would be a restaurant or any of these other you know, service-related businesses? And so I would say that businesses that pivot toward what consumer trends are telling them, which is be easier to use in a time when things are not easy. I mean, not to get political, but like a vaccine rollout, which is a cluster, and COVID testing before that, which was not, made no sense. Like, how do you not do that? You know, how do you avoid that? Or maybe even something more pertinent. I'm sure if you guys have seen it too, we're talking about ordering food. (laughs) During the pandemic, you're quarantined. I could not be more frustrated with businesses that did not update their Google page. Right. Because I'm like, oh, they're open. Let's walk over. And I lived uptown. I'm like, oh, walk over. And then they're closed. I'm like, what? How do you? It's like the most, it's the first thing anybody does is on your phone. And, And so I'm like, I don't want that to be us. Ortho can't do that. This is people's health. They matter. They've really got to figure out a way to make that happen. And so... We pivoted to that. My hope would be that other brands think of themselves as a simpler brand to use so consumers can feel more comfortable with how they embrace it.
1: You talked about the food. It just brought to mind the many times that my wife just gave up trying to order from some places online because it seemed like they wanted you to go through five or six steps. You thought you were done. They're like, oh, never mind. We're just like, forget about it. it. We're done.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, that's true. I mean, so when you guys were doing the community push and all the places that you guys work, this year, you had to make this push toward being easier to use. What happened to most of those community partners through this year? How yeah. has that relationship yeah. been, and what have you guys been able to do so yeah, there?
2: yeah. It, it's it's uh, admittedly been been a really um I was just on, on a conference call on, on the way over there to, to sit with you guys, and one of the things I was telling them was it's been one of the weirdest years for me as a marketer, you know, and this is my 20th odd year in the business and you you are having conversations with folks that you've just never had before. I mean, you've had a hard conversations with a, with a with a partner or a client or team members, but this kind of stuff is just like double. It's like a double whammy. You decide that you didn't get the assets you need, so you can't fulfill the agreement. Well, the person that you're not fulfilling the agreement with is also trying to keep their job and also trying to do the the work that they're doing. It's just like really weird, terrible thing. So, we've been focused on not eliminating anything but admittedly minimizing a lot of it sure um and so we're trying hard that if we're doing something very special in concord or we're doing something with a local charity that's based out of rock hill or we're doing something with a small little group that does something in you know kernersville north carolina like we're saying to them hey listen we're with you we really want this to work the version we were at in previous years, we just need to cut that in half. Now we're not going away, but we necessarily can't do the same degree of things that we've done. And then as you guys know, we did a lot of stuff that were activated in the communities. Walks, hikes, 10Ks, 5Ks, none of that happened. So what do you do when you, you know, we've, we've had a 10K, the Orthocad on 10K for 10 years, up to 2,000 or so people. And this year the entire thing was virtual. And so you know, like how do you, do you continue to do those things to the degree that you invested in them before, um, while being sensitive to the to the fact that everybody's struggling and trying to figure out how to you know it's stay in business act. yeah it 's really yeah. hard yeah un, un, and again another another popular word unprecedented <laughs> but um really unprecedented in my career dealing with you know the emotion of it all um, it's been tough yeah it's been tough
1: how will this blair change the way that brands think of themselves? You mentioned about ortho Carolina and the new perspective on being available, being easy to work with, yeah. engage with. Is that the main thing? And are there other pieces that when brands reassess, are they part of this essential pause here? How, what will that look like going forward?
2: Yeah, I, I like to think of it as, you know, what what it isn't just right about of um, what are we not doing? It's like, what are, what are the three, four, five, I don't know, depending on your business, dozen things you learned during the pandemic that you're going to continue? I mean, why any restaurant would not also continue curbside deli- like. Continue curbside, yes, yes, yes. Keep keep that, like keep doing that. Um, and I think for us, it's you know, how do we think of delivering digital orthopedic education? We did a lot of that live because our salespeople are the doctors. So our vision was get seventy five people in a room, let them see the physicians, and over time, depending on their need, um, you got them because the doctor was the sales piece. They're the they're the they're the iPhone 12, right? Show them the iPhone 12 and you'll get them. And when we couldn't do that, we had to figure out ways to deliver that content digitally. And so we wound up having to try to you know, figure out how to create orthopedic content in a way that could be digestible for those audiences, but do so that was, was electronic. And I think now that we've done that, what I would say with a good amount of success, it's not been a grand slam, but, but a good amount of success, I don't know that we'll ever stop that. I think we'll continue to do that work and bite it off as, as bite-sized pieces versus trying to do one giant, you know, seminar for a thousand people. We're, I, I don't know that we'll ever do that again. Right. I just, I maybe, maybe, but um, but I, I don't think it's on the radar. So I, I think that's one of the things. That's how we look at it, at least Jared's. What are we going to continue to do that we learned out of this? And I think that's that's certainly, uh, that's certainly one of them. I mean, and then. From a service perspective, I will tell you, you know, telemedicine, televisits, in uh, the week before the pandemic, in, we did zero. <laughs> zero. Wow. In the month of April, uh, in May, we were doing 15 or 1800 a week. I mean, we just went, we said, guess what we have to figure out, guys? Everybody get in a virtual Zoom room, hands in, and we're going to figure out telemedicine. Let's go. In an industry, candidly, where we have to touch people, we need x rays can't examine your shoulder if we can't see what's in there so for us to figure out telemedicine isn't as easy as easy isn't as maybe simple as a primary care office or um, you know something that doesn't need to be to see x-ray or or touch patients and so our ability to figure that out I think was awesome and I don't know why we would ever get rid of telemedicine now I mean you've had knee surgery and we just need to look and make sure it's not swollen and there's nothing wrong with it why would you ever come in you know just put your knee up to the screen and we gotcha and it's just easier to use for patients. So why not stick to that?
1: I've, done, okay. a, I've done a few. I did two virtual visits this year. I've yeah. never done a virtual visit before, but it's easy. It's convenient. I could do it here from the office. I don't have to go to uptown and try to find a parking space, yeah. even though it's validated. But I don't need to go through Still. that part of it. I could spend my time and then get back yeah. to work after it's done.
2: Well, so much so, too. And I'll just add one thing to you. We actually started appealing to employers to have their employees do it. Because you know what it saves them? Commute time. So you also would need 30 minutes to drive to your appointment. Well, guess what? Now that employee is it working? Is is working for those 30 minutes? So anyway, so we we've tried to go after employers too, to like a work comp perspective to say why not approach it as a benefit for your for your organization, right? So sure, yeah, good point. So a
0: question that obviously is close to us: video and what you guys are doing. You talked about the new content, the way you're having to push out yeah. and use those uh, doctors as salespeople now in those virtual environments. What um what are you guys doing now? How are you using video? I know. Before the pandemic, you guys started testing with live uh, surgeries, yeah, showing yeah. some of that stuff off, and yeah. it looked really cool. So yeah. what are you guys up to now?
2: Yeah, yeah, good. We, um, we're, we're still doing some of that now. Um, it's been difficult because we obviously can't get additional humans into the surgery centers and things just because of COVID. So uh, we have tried to kind of create more of what I would call sort of like a live stream environment for some of our physician panels. So we partnered with a local anatomy firm. Uh, Jamie Decker is her name. The company's called Experience Anatomy, and we're creating sort of an education series. We did a eight-part series in 2020. I think we have another six episodes in 21, uh, and we're kind of distilling like the Netflix model, <laughs> um, literally. Um, and you know, episode one was about our version of this, right? It's not like you're watching, you know, Ozark or something. But <laughs> um, you know, it's a uh, foot and ankle one episode, and hand one episode, and hip and joint joint replacements the next one. Uh, and uh, uh, we're really doing two things. One is we've kind of got a panel up on Zoom, and the physicians can answer questions, and then we have pre-recorded, actually, like, anatomy lessons over a cadaver, or sometimes with plastinates, uh, where the physician is taking you through basic anatomy. Here's the anatomy of the hand. Here's the anatomy of the shoulder. So the individual pieces of content live on their own, and then the collective sort of series episode, the episodic piece to it, is its own piece of content as well, too. And so... Again, I would say proven pretty successful. It was our first time sort of trying it, and again, we had to go from these were all planned live, by the way. In in March, they became not live, <laughs> so we uh, did them over video. We're partnering with Star Room, Still the guys at Charlotte Star Room for that, and they've been. It's been great. I mean, I think you know, so far it's been um, uh, pretty successful. You know, we're we're you know, I'm not sure how you measure it in terms of. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going
0: to get at It's like people out there are probably always like, yeah. well, what's success? How did you guys define yeah. success for you? Yeah. Like, tipping your toes into this thing. Yeah,
2: you know, it, 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 we had such a tactical, like, or tactile, I guess is the term, uh, way to measure it. You know, we'd be able to capture a patient in a, <laughs> in a seminar and get their email address and email them, and we could see if they made an appointment. Like, you could literally track it. Uh, I think now it's more about casting a net and assuming that those that are viewing are viewing because they have some consideration for surgery of some kind. So I maybe would call it you know mid to low funnel, but it is not low funnel because I don't know that they're there yet. Um, but mid-funnel success, I think, has proven, proven to some degree how we measure that. So, you know, some indication, some desire. You've had some sort of nagging shoulder thing, but you're not really sure about COVID slash. You don't know that you necessarily need to do anything with it yet. Advil is working or ICE is working, and so you're not really sure yet. But if we get you to one of these and you engage in the content and we can see that you're asking questions, and then before you know it, you kind of convert. Now, changing gears a bit, I will say that Through our online scheduling platform which has been a huge win from a technology standpoint for ortho we for years had request an appointment and then you'd fill out a form we contacted you now actually went live in uh september 19 of a 20 believe it or not during the pandemic you can actually book online straight book pick your appointment book you get a text message you're booked you're in incredibly trackable especially if we have full full um full funnel from a marketing perspective too so we can actually see digital ads and trace it all the way back through a booking which is huge, so we actually get tremendous ROI on it. But getting back to the video piece, you know I get pretty high feeling that it's going well, not as entirely like super trackable as I would hope it would be. but, um, but we feel good about it. It's a good brand piece, it's you know high quality content, it's uh, meaningful, it's, it's segmented so we can use different bits and pieces of it as we may need. Um, we actually have done a really good job too, of doing a Q& A when they're over, and the Q and A themselves become additional pieces of content. You're like, oh, wow, look at that. Four people asked about arthritis. Guess what? Let's do a piece on arthritis. Four people asked about Tommy John surgery. When you know, my kids 15? Should they get it? Okay, let's do a piece on if she get Dr. Connor Should we be doing Tommy John and a 15-year-old? Have him answer. Okay. Um, so it's been helpful in that regard. If you consider that success, then maybe, right?
1: I'm trying to, to fathom, you know, you went into this whole thing with no healthcare experience. Yeah. but But a diversified experience in so many different areas. The orthopedic knowledge that must be in your mind. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty amazing.
2: I like to tell people I play a doctor on TV. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I want to talk about Charlotte for a moment and, and all these communities that you serve and relationships I know are a big part of what you do. What is that like from a connectivity standpoint to make those partnerships work and how important is that to you? Yeah, very,
2: very, very important. And so, um, Uh, Going back to what we chatted through before, sort of around the beginning of my career at Ortho, one of the other things I think, uh, you know, to your point, Chen, that I did a little differently is I thought of the marketing function actually as sort of a business development component and a community development component, less so about, you know, spots and dots and things of that nature. We did that stuff too, of course, but how can we be connected to as many different communities inside your community, right? So what are we doing in the entrepreneurial space? What are we doing in the nonprofit space? Is there any play for us in the fintech, the growing fintech environment that, you know, out your window, a look upon it, right? I mean, across the across uptown, right? You got a billion-dollar fintech and Avid Exchange. And what's going on in the healthcare innovation space? What are we doing in the creative space, muralists and artists and dance? And my thought was, you know what? How do I get involved in all of those communities everywhere we have offices? How do we be part of the Winston-Salem Downtown Arts Commission? And some might say, why would Ortho Carolina do that? Well, because it gives us that broad appeal. I want people to be thinking about us not when they're not hurt. Because hopefully when they are, again, we wish harm on no one, but please get injured. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that it's important that we become integral into the community so we're seen as a partner for them in their daily lives and not just when they need us for their care. And so I, I, I stress... With all the folks on my team and as many folks in our organization, you are an ambassador for this organization. Everywhere you volunteer, everything you go do, um, every th- time you wear a North Carolina t shirt somewhere, like, you know, talk about what you do and why you do and why you're there and what it means. Um, you know, we very successfully worked with our physicians to now give every North Carolina employee eight hours paid to go volunteer. Um, because why not do that? Like, shouldn't we be involved in the communities we're a part of? So if you're a front desk employee in Shelby, North Carolina, be proud that that's where you work, at North Carolina in Shelby. It's part of this big thing. So relationships in the community, I think, are critical, and I've always seen our role, my role, our team's role, as being involved in the community. Get get engaged in things because it's good for the brand, it's good for us, and if you enjoy it, it could be could be fun for yourself, too.
0: I know we're going to get to some Ask questions here in a second, but last one for you about what you see as the future for Charlotte. Um, yeah. What are you seeing as we're coming out of COVID, hopefully? Um, yep.
2: Where do we go from here as a city? Yeah, great, great, uh, deep, deep thought one for sure. Um, <laughs> so then there's a, a couple thoughts. I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate, right, that uh, I think it, most most folks would probably think it's fortunate that, uh, you know, we benefit from being a city that is attracts people when we continue to grow, whatever the data it is 100 people a day or something sure. like that. 100. It's a different number every Yeah, time. 50 people a day, whatever the number is. But we continue to see more net growth than than loss, which is which is terrific. And so the challenge becomes that growth is really in young people predominantly. So what does that mean? So I would like to say, you know, it means transportation. It probably means better. I'm, I'm nervous about Uptown. I'm nervous about Uptown. What's, what's going to happen with Uptown? All that investment, all that desire to create something special up there, Uh, all the apartments, all the infrastructure. And then, you know, it's not a whole lot going on up there. Um, So I'm bullish in the sense that I think the growth for this region will carry us through because there's economic dollars there. I think we'll do the right thing. I want us to focus on transportation. I want us to focus on as best we can, you know, continue to to do the best we can with education. I know it's a crazy time now with that. Um, But I think that, younger growing cities like ours will be in a better position to be successful than if we were not a young and growing city. Uh, aside from the mega city, take LA and San Fran, Chicago, New York, man. I mean, take, take them out of it. I think cities our size, maybe like a DMA 12 through 25, what are they doing to focus on making this accessible for the next five or 10 years for those folks that are coming to town? And I think that's key. Is it light rail? Is it, is it, You know, like South End or don't like South End. It's an amazing place if you're young. Like this is like the jam if you're young. You know, I get excited by a light rail to the airport. I get excited by thinking about new ways to connect all these communities. You know, having go all the way up to 36th Street and beyond, or even further than that. UNC Charlotte, all the way down to Pineville. Like we need to do more of those things. and I think we'll be well suited when we when we come out of it. Um, you know, I think young people are more resilient. I make mean, my sound so so, so old <laughs> I mean, the younger folks are more resilient. Through we the... are old. Yeah, come on. I mean, more <laughs> resilient <laughs> through this time. Man. I believe you guys are older than I am. <laughs> all right, all there, right. it is, there it is. <laughs> I, I feel good about it. I'm 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 hopeful. Um, but I am nervous about I am nervous about uptown. I am curious about that specifically.
0: Yeah, I I had heard from some real estate people that. They really see in the next five to ten years, this was before COVID, um, that uptown needs to remake itself to be South End. Hmm. In that in that all of those lower end of those buildings, what you see happening hmm. with the Marriott at trade and trial, right. all of them have to become walkable and everything has to be opened up. It's no longer driving in the car, parking in a parking deck, going into a building and then leaving.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, the the um the uh um the space over by uh like or 7th street market you know for example right. how do you have more of those kinds of entry entries and the parking is either above or adjacent to yeah. um the new building that's on that side too i forget the name of it but it's over by the light rail by by first by uh first, um by first word park right. all that as i watch those apartments come up that bottom space is all retail yeah. i'm pumped like yes do that because mm-hmm. uh, right. i do think that that
1: will be key so let's move on to a couple of rapid questions before yeah. we, we finish up. These are, these are intended to be fun. So you can have as okay, much good. fun as you want with them, but I'm, <laughs> I'm lobbing that opportunity to you. So the good. first one is outside of work. What serves as a driving force to keep you motivated?
2: Uh, I would say um, some of my kids. You know, I, just, I just moved actually into a new home. So lately that's been a lot of, uh, a lot of my time, which is cool. Um, I like to you know, jog when I can, exercise when I can, and you know, enjoy the odd beer too. So that keeps me going.
0: Um, all right. So during the pandemic, what's one key thing you learned about yourself that you really didn't know prior to? Uh,
2: I actually don't like working from home. Um, I can maybe do it one day a week, maybe like, you know, Monday through Thursday in the office would be perfect for me. I'm not really great at working from home. I need that walk around the hall, see somebody, idea, water cooler kind of thing. It's my jam. My energy comes from being around people. Love my kids and all that kind of stuff. You know, my girlfriend's awesome. But after a while, I'm like, you know what? Time to time to go back to the
1: office. So, I could relate. To yeah, I'm yeah, with you there. <laughs> I need to, need to I'm, not, I'm not. a fan of work from home. I <laughs> mean, so I'm yeah. in that group. What is your favorite aspect of Charlotte?
2: Oh, great question. Hmm. Um, I think it's, uh, I think the diversity of the neighborhoods, Um, you know, I spent, uh, you know, just about three years in New York City, and while nothing on the same scale, what was so great about that is that there wasn't, if you wanted something, a food type, an experience, a type of music, you know, a certain kind of scene, you could find a neighborhood that had it in in New York. And I think Charlotte's kind of getting there. We have a bunch of different types of neighborhoods and a bunch of different types of feelings in those neighborhoods. And I think that's what excites me most about charlotte as long as it continues to stay there let's not homogenize let's stay somewhat different but that's what's cool about the city
0: all right and then leave us with a fun fact that people wouldn't know about you
2: let's see here god a fun fact so i like to tell people i'm like a five eleven, feeling 5 8 guy <laughs> uh so that'd be one um but in in reality i would say that um god what is a fun fact about me um and maybe it's not so fun, but I'm like super OCD. Like I'm hardcore OCD. <laughs> May not be fun for others, but it's really fun for me. Like, my desk at the office is annoyingly sparse. Like I, you know, I pick up crumbs behind people. Like I got a problem. It's almost clinically diagnosed. I think. <laughs> um, so it's fun for me, but maybe not fun for others. So we all know to like
0: screw up a pencil on your desk. <laughs> yeah, <or exactly. laughs> just totally like, mess
2: with you. A guy that i a guy that I work with, he, uh, I made a mistake one time of coming in while it was raining, so I left my umbrella in there. And then, uh, well, not paying attention, he to dry. And then he shut it, and put in there a whole bunch of my business cards. And mm-hmm. I never. Thought about it for weeks, and I was literally no joke on the corner of Creighton Tryon. Starts to rain. I came out of the old um, plaza building, or I forget what to buy, yeah, yeah. now, I think, mm-hmm. or forget the other place that's there, but um, sure. um. I came out and opened up the umbrella and only like 50 of my business cards were on the street and it's raining. So I'm trying to step on them and catch them. Oh, <laughs> and I thought to myself, like, oh, freaking Bob, you got me again, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
1: So if you open the fridge, this isn't on here, but I got to follow up on this. So yeah. if you open the fridge and the milk label is sideways, do you turn it so it's facing Okay, so here's you? the deal.
2: Yeah, so I just, <laughs> okay, so if you would have asked me this before the 24th of November, the answer is absolutely. It was spotless. Everything was precise. Now, I've moved in. So, I have three kids. Two are here, one is in college, and my girlfriend has two kids. So, the f- we just all moved in together. So, now that there are six of us in this house, and ironically, the fridge we have has a glass door on it, so you can see through it. So, in my inner soul, I am dying to straighten out every single thing in this fridge. But I am <laughs> the only one in the house that cares about that. So, the new answer to the question is believe it or not, I don't straighten out the However, I desperately want to. <laughs> well, I desperately want
1: to. I'm, I'm glad you're able to uh, <laughs> let it? that go a little bit. I'm trying. You're at their I'm mercy growing. on that one. I'm growing. Well, Blair, thank you so much yeah, for, for being a part of this episode. We appreciate the great work that you're doing all around Charlotte. Yeah, yeah
2: thank you guys for having me. It was great, uh, great, great chat.
1: Happy to. We want to remind our listeners that you can check out more episodes of The Hive Life under the Resources tab at sphericalbuzz.com and follow us on all of our social media platforms At Spiracle Media. For Tim Baer and Blair Premis, I'm Jared Latch. Thanks for listening, and so long for now.
0: You've been listening to The Hive Life, brought to you by Spiracle Media. Always remember, you can visit SpiracleBuzz.com or follow us at Spirical Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on The Hive Life.